0: It's called The Science Podcast, and these are a, a couple of atheists that run this podcast. So I thought you'd be interested to hear what they say. This is only one little bit. So like it's over half an hour, and I couldn't play you the whole thing because I'd have to have so many beeps in it bleeping out uh, the expletives. Because you can't pray. This shit's a space. This week's episode of The Science Enthusiast Podcast is brought to you by one of the lesser known holy oils of the Catholic Church, the oleum rectum chrism. So now you can use the church's holy oil for your special hole while eating gluten-free Jesus crackers.
1: You really kind of summed up the week right there, We're I think. Talking butt
0: stuff.
1: Talking butt stuff. And I think maybe send activist Just mommy right some of that stuff. Some of that yeah, oil. To throw on the fire teen... when she burns Teen Vogue.
0: <laughs> right, because yeah. Teen Vogue wrote an article about anal sex because safe, kids... Safe sex. Kids, right, because yeah. kids are probably having they're doing something with their butts yes those those darn those darn teens these days and just part of comprehensive sex education would encourage you to use safer sex practices as opposed to you know just closing your eyes screaming and pretending that things don't exist just because mm-hmm. you don't like them uh, which is what activist mommy or her, her name is it's Elizabeth uh, I don't I, I, don't, don't I
1: don't. I don't know. I just know, know activist mommy, and I so know that she cared enough to build a campfire.
0: Elizabeth Johnston.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth built a campfire. She bought Teen Vogue. So, go go Elizabeth for supporting um, what you. Hate. Who's
0: who's who? And- just not unlike. The Merriam-Webster Twitter account, one of the unsung heroes of 2017, because holy shit, they are <laughs> just killing it with the commentary. and yeah, Teen Vogue with yeah. excellent writing of all of all magazines or any anything.
1: Yeah, no, I, like between you're right. The dictionary, Teen Vogue, <laughs> right. the the National it's, Park the, Service going rogue. Di- <laughs> like we we are just the
0: dictionary. What <laughs> is what is this world? <laughs> I,
1: Sometimes I don't really know. But we're here and we're doing our podcast and why don't you introduce us to whoever is listening at this point? Oh
0: time? we can we could we can talk about we have so many other things to talk we could talk about the, the the three kinds of holy oils. I made one up, but you you didn't know. Actually it was kind of it was Sanctum Christma is one of the holy oils of the Catholic Church, so I just made it rectum charisma, because that sounds sounds right, sounds plausible and somebody at some point made it up
1: because let's let's lead off a podcast with butt oil
0: why this not is who talk we are stuff um, it was you, it was yeah. a struggle to, it was a struggle to work that in we were because i we, in my mind today when we were planning this out, I wanted to do something involving butt stuff and and a skirt in Saudi Arabia and getting arrested, but there's just not i i it's hard I to get tie it all, that in. all together. I know. It, it is, is, is I, something involving Jesus and butt stuff and a skirt and being. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes there's too much <laughs> it, material.
1: It, Sometimes there's right. too much to work with.
0: And it wouldn't. It, the Catholic Church almost parodies itself with when it comes to any sort of sexual assault. So I feel like that's almost not even. Yeah. Not even OK to joke. Low-hanging about hanging there. I know. Because they're still yeah. actively, actively covering <laughs> shit up. <sighs>
1: uh, too much.
0: It was. This is turning it's into a, a whole thing. It is but, a thing. <laughs> hello, and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast podcast. And we're sorry. My name is Dan Brodman, and as always, I am joined by my incredible friend Natalie Newell.
1: Hey, so glad to be here oh, talking about stuff with you.
0: Always, I, I mean, but also par for the course for our yeah, daily this is, regular communication. It's what happens.
1: It it is what happens. Um. But we have some we have some good but news to share with our up. audience, don't we? I did say it. I did, did and I'm sorry. So um we've got something cool coming up at the end of the month.
0: Yeah, we're going to be that. I think be, we should tell people about. Yeah. We're we're gonna be going to Gateway to Reason at, in at St. Louis in St. Louis in St. On Louis July 29th, And we're gonna be doing another live show there, I think Saturday morning.
1: Saturday morning, I believe it's at nine forty AM so
0: Nine not for, bad. Not 945, not 930. I think it's 940. 940.
1: I think 940, 940. on the dot. 940. <laughs> we are going to be doing a something similar to what we did at PopCon, kind of the, the pop culture scientists, skeptics, atheists, you know, that are yeah. out there in movies, TV, all that stuff. And we're going to be joined by one Friend of our of really show. good friends. Yeah. Yeah. David McAfee. David,
0: David G. McAfee. McAfee. Not, to, not to be confused with the... Uh, religious writer. Who right. Is probably <laughs> perturbed that he shares the same name. Yes.
1: So we get David G. David G is going to be joining us. <laughs> Why and does, I
0: can we just call him David G from now on? I, don't I think know that so. we can't. He can't stop us. I, He's not here to say no.
1: I think we need to we need to tell him that in our group chat after we do David this that G. he he is David G now and forever. So <laughs> I am excited to meet David G in real life and his lovely wife, Rachel. We're gonna no, all hang true. out and have a really good time. So we think that you're if you're in the St. Louis area or you know, in even if you're close not. driving distance, or even if you're not, come hang out with us at Gateway to Reason. I
0: yeah, well I promise I it'll we'll be, be fun we'll be driving down i'll i'll have uh, we will have emily uh my girlfriend with, will be there as well so you can meet her and give us all social anxiety so that'll be great but I'm, we'll, we'll I'm, be in friday I'm night down. i think i yeah. think we're probably going to end up arriving friday night right about the time everybody starts drinking so you know uh excellent timing on our ends but then saturday should be fun and sunday uh We'll see. Hopefully, yeah. Sunday of this conference goes a little bit better for at least me than uh, Sunday of Nexus did uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of drinking too much, whew, look at that. Yeah. How about this? Why don't you tell us about our God of the Week?
1: All right. So our God of the Week is is the Drowned God. So the Drowned God is often depicted as this assemblage of driftwood in sort of vaguely human form. The this god was worshipped by the people of the Iron Islands, who kind of say "fuck that" the idea of worshiping the the seven. But gods. this isn't
0: this isn't like a real god or like a real fake god. This is a oh, fake fake god. This
1: right? Is, this is you know this god is just as real as all of the other ones that I've done. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, Game but it's, it's, it's Game of fake, Thrones fake edition. God, it's Game of Thrones edition. It's fake fake. I'm, yeah,
0: I can be justified in not really knowing much. about oh, yeah. it since I've never yeah. watched Game of Thrones. No, it's okay. I've been told I have to. I bought HBO now. Uh, why aren't they sponsoring the show? I don't know, but But maybe to, maybe they uh,
1: will after after maybe this they because will, I'm just... I know
0: their execs all I'm sure listen to us and
1: they're clamoring, clamoring
0: for those few thousand downloads a week <laughs> they, that we get.
1: They are, they are. So so yeah, I just I just thought in honor of Game of Thrones coming back, I would I would do one of their gods because again just as real as all of the other ones Absolutely. that we have talked about. So, so here's here's the drowned god. Um he kind of helps the the ironborn people justify their their piracy, their raiding because the drowned god brought the ironborn people from the sea in a burst of flames or something. Are these people like that, that
0: that are actually made of iron and from the They're sea? Not.
1: No, no, they're not. Uh, they're why do you know, they call
0: them Ironborn?
1: Because Game of Thrones. No, well, they're like that's, the, that's, it's like Theon Greyjoy and his whole family. They're the yeah.
0: That just doesn't make any sense. No, none
1: of these words make sense to you, but it, it doesn't matter. No. It's just a story. I'm just going to keep telling the story. So nothing
0: matters. because so, nothing Thomas matters. The circle, the universe, yeah. Eh,
1: so this eh. this drowned god, he just threw the people ashore um, so that they could. Go back into the sea and sail boats and steal shit. I don't know.
0: So th- thrown onto shore to return to
1: go to the sea. I, to
0: go, it's, yeah, it just seems seems yeah. like boating it with seems, extra steps.
1: It it does, you know, steps and swimming with being extra pirates steps and all that kind of stuff. So, anyways, they seem to, you know, they they create their religion to justify their actions. That's
0: well, interesting. <laughs> it's it's an, it's, a, it's an
1: interesting thing how how that works. Um, so so like kids are taught from a young age that they're not going to be considered a man until they kill someone. Right. So okay. also also noteworthy is that it's better to pay the iron price for something than the gold price. Basically, the iron <laughs> price is to take whatever the fuck you want. Gold price okay. is paying with money. So who wants to use money when you can just fuck shit up?
0: So history okay. of white people in Europe. Okay. Yeah.
1: So this is right. It, this guess, is not relevant to, to some, anything to some, in real life. To some anywhere. extent,
0: yeah, to some extent yeah. Muhammad but yeah, let's yeah. be honest. Here. But
1: yeah, so so the drowned god of course has a rival god because, you know, of course. And that god is the storm god who is always trying to throw ships into rocks and cause all kinds of chaos. So I don't know. It's I don't know that it's really a good versus evil battle. It's just two dicks trying to outdick <laughs> each other.
0: <laughs> so it's religion. It's, it's, re- it's, it's a, religion. It's religion be the internet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And it's a comic section a out at sea. YouTube
0: C. comments, so, <laughs> god damn.
1: This is so good. So the followers of the drowned god, of course, have their own resurrection type of beliefs that if you're drowning, but you're revived from drowning, you're reborn. But at the same time, they don't really fear drowning because to drown is to enter the kingdom of the drowned god where they get to <laughs> hang out with mermaids for eternity.
0: So we have... There's, there's so many. There's so of course, much. I know this. They're creating this after, you know, most of world religion. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Listen to how timest I'm being. Assuming that that all religions that have been created will have already been created. Uh, <laughs> God, this is so stupid. But, I know,
1: and so that, but that's why this is kind of my point. Is that as absurd as all of this sounds? I mean. Think back They're, to so many of the stories I have told about golden dicks and about, I don't even know, like getting crushed in vaginas. They're yeah, all ridiculous. Like, what a way to go. Like, I know. Like oh. am, am I right? No. I'm in a hard <laughs> pass on that one. <laughs> I'm just going to Well, no. What, what, what I don't want to get crushed by a vagina.
0: What I was going to say is they they've taken so many aspects from all religions and combined them into – what yeah. amounts to me, at least, to be a somewhat plausible story because we have the Hindu uh, resurrection. We're, you don't fear death because we're going to be surrounded by some hot mermaids. I assume. Yeah. What about mermen? Hashtag equality. But then, so so we have that whole whole uh, you know that one religion of peace thing happening, mm-hmm. and just the the general just there there's there's so much there that's kind of. I know. Kind of beautiful in a way. Aren't, you, aren't
1: you kind of glad I did this? So yeah. you know, Game of Thrones edition, and they have they have their whole um, this. Not a slogan, not a—it's called a catchphrase that they always say, or a little prayer. What is dead may never die, but rises again, harder and stronger. And that goes back to the butt stuff that we already talked about. So Ooh, yeah,
0: harder so there and stronger. We,
1: there we go. Now, do we do a commercial break? Because I don't know where we go from this.
0: Or we do a, maybe a commercial break, maybe a music break. I don't maybe know something. Because, blog Talk Radio. What do you want to do? Blog Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hit us with something. <laughs> Tonight, we're thrilled to be joined by Chris Shelton. Chris grew up in Scientology and spent 25 years actively working for it at its highest levels. Having escaped in 2013, he's been an outspoken critic and anti-cult advocate ever since. He's chronicled his recovery from Scientology on his blog, The Critical Thinker at Large, and on his YouTube channel. So welcome, Chris.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you for joining us. Um, So Scientology, um, we have not talked about this before on the show. And we are very excited to have you. And a special thank you to John Stewart, who we talked to, I guess, a couple weeks ago for introducing you to us. So, John, you're awesome. Thank you for the intro. Um, so, we're obviously going to want to hear a lot about your story, um, but I would love to kind of start with what is Scientology and <laughs> what do Scientologists believe?
2: Sure. Um, okay, good. you can hear me okay and everything?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes.
2: Excellent. Okay, good. Um, okay, so Scientology is, well, it's a money-making scam is what it really mm-hmm. is. Um, however, if you want to know what Scientologists will tell you what it is or what, you know, they they put out there as to what it is, that's it's an applied religious philosophy that has techniques and methods for improving a person's life, giving them a toolbox to deal with the problems and situations of life and, and livingness and uh, allow for spiritual growth and personal development um, which it is sounds like a lot of word salad to, well you know this is this is uh, <laughs> this is what they say now what this is uh, heading towards is um, is not just a sort of feel-good thing but it actually has very specific goals and and uh, things you're supposed to be able to accomplish which is supposed to lead you to uh, through a journey to personal spiritual immortality, and uh, and so they're you know they don't they don't uh, think small they think oh. big. <laughs> uh, so you know the idea is to achieve it's it's the it's West, it's East meets West in terms of uh, Eastern philosophy meeting Western practicality, and uh, and so it's not just some mystic faith-based you know belief sort of thing or think uh, you know good good karmic thoughts and all will be well, but it's actually if you do. A and B and C and D in this, in this order, uh, then we will guarantee that you will achieve a state of cause over life. And you will be in a, in a in a place where you have personal certainty and full understanding of your, of your vast spiritual nature and a return of your spiritual abilities uh, thereby.
1: So it'll just solve everything in your life. Basically,
2: yes. Um, <laughs> yes. The idea with Scientology is that it is an all-encompassing thing. L. Ron Hubbard actually said in one place that Scientology is the one thing that is senior to life because it explains all of life. So, um, and that is a nice little little uh, you know word trickery to give his adherents the idea that that Scientology is the single most important thing in their life, bar none, period, end of story. There is nothing else that they should be doing or thinking or contributing to that really matters. Scientology is really it. And this is why when you when you know that, the old Tom Cruise video where he's making some fairly inane and, and insane sounding comments actually starts making sense if you are looking at Scientology the way he's looking at it which is that it is the be all end all of existence
1: so it's just everything and so yeah like so L. Ron Hubbard can we talk about him a little bit like because <laughs> sure. he's he's the guy he was a he's a man <laughs> he's the man he was a science fiction writer that was just like we're, Let's we're
0: right
2: um okay so he um all right Elron Ron Hubbard was born in 1911 in uh I think Tilden Nebraska if I have that if I remembering right he's a Midwest guy grew up in the Midwest. Um, he went to, uh, yeah, he managed as a child to have an interesting life in terms of his travel. Um, you know, traveled around to uh, uh, the Panama Canal, went over to the Orient, went around in the United States a bit, especially in the West as a child. Um, very active imagination um, and writer. He was developing writing skills pretty early on. He kept a diary and he kept journals and he, and then he started, in his 20s, started writing stories during the... Um, depression era. Um nineteen twenties and thirties, he made his name as a as a pulp writer. And um and then he joined the military. Came come World War II, right before World War II was declared, he he had signed up and he was a um, captain in a, a in a of a boat, you know, he was commander. Uh he is uh then the war ended and he uh you know came out of the out of the Navy and was sort of traipsing around in Southern California, uh which is where I grew up in Pasadena and met a guy named Jack Parsons who was a rocket scientist at JPL at the time, got involved in the occult in Alistair uh, Crowley's work, the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis and uh, started doing sex magic with Jack Parsons. They were doing some rituals and stuff. He managed to abscond with Jack Parsons' girlfriend, Sarah and, uh, and about, you know, a few thousand bucks from uh, a a business venture that they were going to do where Hubbard had conned him out of a bunch of money. They took off to Florida. Uh, Jack Parsons uh, tried to catch up with him, get his money back, couldn't get his money back, but, uh, definitely got him to, you know, stop taking him for a ride. And then a couple of years later, Hubbard, um, with the help of, of some other folks, including um, oh, what was his name? John Campbell. Uh, I never remember if it's Jack Campbell or John Campbell. I think it was John Campbell from Astounding Science Fiction. He was the editor of Science, Astounding Science Fiction, and he he was kind of backing Hubbard, gave him a place to stay out in the East Coast, and Hubbard whipped out this subject of, Scientology, of Dianetics. Um, started with a couple of articles about it, claimed to have been doing a bunch of research, which is pretty unsubstantiated, uh, and, and proposed this new mental health Science, which is Dianetics, the modern science of mental health, came out May 9th, May ninth, nineteen fifty, and uh, and you know, then that's the beginning of the whole story, really, of, of Dianetics and Scientology. But but Hubbard's story was one of uh, kind of bouncing around unsuccessfully in his life. You know, I mean, he was a successful writer to the degree that he was a very fast writer, mm-hmm. and he could write a lot of stories in a very short amount of time when he put his mind to it. But he had a hard time focusing. He had a hard time putting his mind to it uh, for to to create. You know, a quality career. When you look back at his at his pulp fiction, it's really pretty crappy stuff. It's, even when I was in Scientology, I didn't like reading his his stuff because I'm a writer and I would read it and just go, "Oh my God, this is awful." Um, he did manage through all of his work. He was an extremely prolific writer, and um, and he uh, he did manage to come up with a couple stories that have some some long term value. There was one called "Fear," which Stephen King praised. Uh, it's a horror story. There was another one called um, uh, "Final Blackout," which is kind of an interesting. Interesting story about a post-apocalyptic world. And um, and then of course, later in life he wrote Battlefield Earth and then the Mission Earth series in the 1980s. So uh so the guy could write, he was a writer, and he took those skills into Dynetics and Scientology, and man, did he write a lot of stuff. I mean, there's just volumes and volumes of material in the in Dianetics and then in Scientology, and a lot of lectures. He gave something on the order of four to five thousand recorded lectures over the span from nineteen fifty through to um, the 19 early 1980s. Most of those recorded lectures for the public and, and the stuff that actually is available ends off in the, in the 70s, you know, because he went into hiding from the law in the 70s and actually in the late 60s and early 70s. And he never really resurfaced in the public venue after that. So he wasn't doing events and congresses and things like he had been doing in the 50s and 60s. So interesting guy. Um, and, you know, it's probably better to focus on any specific specific questions you have because i could talk about this guy like this for
0: another hour easily, <laughs> there's, you know? well, there's
1: there's so much dan you yeah, you brought up is. the thing about the letter and the mental health stuff so regarding, well, I, like, like you yeah. said there's
0: just yeah there's just so much there so like i don't Unpack. know i mean as far as scientology i know that part is bullshit but we i mean it's hard to discern like what's true and what's not uh when you have somebody who's like making up stories
2: about himself and his military career uh, <laughs> yeah he was he i should say that he really was a a an amazing liar. He was, he was pathological. He, he really was. He, and, and some people caught on to it and other people didn't who met him because he had for whatever, you know, I never met the man personally, of course. So he died when I was 16 years old. I, but I talked to a lot of people over the years who did meet him, who did know him, who worked with him closely. And, um, while I was in Scientology, I would always, you know, if I ever met anybody who knew him, I'd sit him down and tell me all about him, you know? And then, (laughs) and then after I left, I, you know, I've talked to a few people who also worked with him. And he had a presence. He had a charisma. He is not a physically, um, you know, amazing looking guy. And as he aged in years, he kind of got worse and worse as far as his appearance goes. But he had a magnetism. He had a charisma that was absolutely undeniable. When he went into a room, you knew he was in the room. He was an overbearing, tall guy. He had a presence to him. And so that attracted people to him. And he was a womanizer. He was was actually a I, I never get the word on this one right bigamist he was married to two women at the same time for about a year mm-hmm. um, that's that woman Sarah that he absconded with from from yes. with uh, Jack Parson's girlfriend Hubbard was married when he did that and he ran off with Sarah to Florida and then he married her while well, he still had a wife and kids in Port Orchard Washington so he was he would had a you know some interesting moral fiber to him um, but he was renowned for telling tall tales I mean once you got to know him for a while you started seeing mm-hmm through some of his nonsense, but he was really good at it. And so he told stories about himself, about his Navy career. And where it's where it's relevant to the Dianetics story is he specifically said that he had war wounds, that he had been in an explosion, that he had suffered uh, blindness, that he was actually mm-hmm. lame, and that he had used the techniques he discovered while studying at Oak Knoll Naval Hospital in California. Uh, he claimed that he was laid up there for about nine months or a year he studied neurology and and uh, medicine and this sort of thing at their, at their medical library. Now, none of this happened, but he said <laughs> all this happened, right? <laughs>
1: that he discovered,
2: you know, the tenets of Dianetics and that he cured himself. And based on that work, he did more case studies over the next couple of years and formulated the techniques of Dianetics. Now, um, the reason that's really, really relevant to Dianetics is not only because that the whole thing is based on that story, but because if you you show that that story is a lie, which is pretty easy to do now that we have all of his records, Um, it invalidates all of it you know and they and the last church spokesman who actually was a church spokesman tommy davis got busted and is gone now because he said that he said well if 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 ron didn't cure himself then that invalidates all of dianetics and that means it's all a fake and, you know as a spokesman you don't want to put yourself you don't want to paint yourself <laughs> in a corner like that and he did uh, and that was just the latest of his you know a string of faux pas he made that that got him ousted as the public spokesman and there hasn't been a public spokesman for scientology since i think that was around 2011 so
1: well it has to be hard to like keep all this stuff straight and say everything right and because there's there's so much yeah it's hard yeah because there's so there's so many how do you do it it's like it's it's a lot
0: i mean we can look at Sean spicer and see (laughs) and see like how real that struggle is
2: that's right that's exactly that's a very good comparison actually um because the church has a whole the, the word is hagiography the 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 revised version of l ron hubbard's life when when you have a religious leader, and, and all cults do this, all religions do this, which is why there's a word for it, hagiography, the the, 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 <laughs> the revised life story of the founder or prophet, right? Is referred to as the hagiography. And and there is one for L. Ron Hubbard. There's a, there's a church biography, there's a church version of all of the events of his life. And most people in the church, myself included, when I was in, don't question it, don't wonder about it, don't fact check it, and explain And therefore accept it as the real version of events, but the files and the information and the evidence you can find tells an entirely different story than what L. Ron Hubbard himself claimed about his life, and that is only available to people when they're willing to look and do a little fact checking. All the information is out there, but Scientologists generally aren't willing to look. So,
0: well, and even to that, uh, to that end, there's I guess uh, maybe we're talking uh, back in like the 2010 and a little bit before that where it seemed like every popular actor actress in in Hollywood was promoting Scientology or it, it was <laughs> so, for some somehow it got like got in and like this in is stream. like the shit I love this and so I mean like how how does that happen like how how do these people who like we're we're not on the whole we're not looking at them for you know to be like great philosophers or anything like that but how, yeah. do, how does like appeal like these are not stupid people you don't get that far it's Life and not be that successful. Well, you'd actually be
2: amazed. Actually, you'd be a little surprised. I mean, celebrities <laughs> are not naturally, inherently smart people. They're not really any different than you and me. um They just happen to be. They happen to look good or sound good in front of a camera. So they have a skill set that that lays it lends itself to that. But actors are people first. And right. uh, if you look at Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh,
1: I look at her all the time.
2: Vagina yeah. eggs. That's a topic all of another podcast. Way too much. Yeah. I love Gwyneth Paltrow and Iron Man movies she's wonderful mm-hmm. you pet you know uh pepper Potts, and she's awesome and that's a character she plays right um mm-hmm. she did a good job singing and and do you know i think this movie called duets or something with Huey lewis mm-hmm. and some other people right like, great, but but that's not Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow is cray-cray. Is I mean, she has crazy <laughs> ideas about health yeah, and, and science.
0: She's got some issues, yeah.
2: So you go, okay, well, how's that, right? It's, it's no different. Pseudoscience appeals to people who do not have good critical thinking skills and who do not take the time to study and learn what they're talking about. And so, um, and unfortunately, there's so much woo out there and so much pseudoscience out there. And Dianetics and Scientology falls one thing Thousand percent in that barrel or bucket of pseudoscience. It sounds good to a layperson. Um, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson who recently was on Joe Rogan. He said something about, um, you know, the the trick is that you get people who who learn, who who know enough to learn stuff, but don't know enough to know what they don't know, mm-hmm. and they don't find out. Right? And maybe, maybe it's kind of related to Dunning Kruger a little bit, right? But it's mm-hmm. it that's what these actors fall into, and and actually. Fortunately, not a lot of actors are actually involved in Scientology. Tom Cruise is the big name. John Travolta was the big name in the 70s and 80s. And he's still right. there. He's still present. Um, and there was Jenna Elfman. But who knows who she is anymore? She's like kind of, you know, D-list, right? And uh, there's Kirstie Alley. But she's same thing. I mean, she was big for a while. And now she's just kind of her own her, her own joke, right? You get Isn't um, Beck
1: a Scientologist?
2: Beck is a Scientologist, yes. But very, very quiet about it, I right? Know, very I didn't quiet. know that. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he doesn't really yeah. talk about it hardly at all. Um, no, no, you know, know they this room. Uh, so. From Orange is a New Black, yeah. right? She's a Scientologist. Yeah. Um, so there are, you know, there's a few of them, but it's not like they're rampant through the industry. And there's, and there's also stars who have tried Scientology or they tried to get them in, mm-hmm. and they didn't, they didn't go for it. I mean, Brad Pitt, Russell Crowe. I mean, these guys have rushed around it, and they yeah. were like, yeah, no, those guys are crazy. <laughs> cool. Elvis. I mean, they tried. You know, Elvis's wife got it. Precisely Presley and uh, Lisa Marie got into Scientology Elvis was like yeah those son of bitches are only ta- only after your money I mean Elvis spotted it
1: <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's just like, no no, no. Yeah.
2: yeah he was like hell no you people stay away from me right but Priscilla <laughs> fell into it well she's yeah. out now and so was Lisa Marie right so so they can you know Jason yeah. uh, Lee was another actor who was in now he's out so people do get in and go out too right um but it has an appeal and they're yeah. very good at um you know when I present it to you I'm presenting it in a sort of a satirical way. So I'm sort of rolling my eyes and talking to you about it. (laughs) But I recruited people into it. I mean, I was, and it's not necessarily hard to do with a certain type Mm -hmm. of person. If you have a, what's called a ruin in Scientology, they're looking for your ruin. They're looking for the thing that you're going to tell them is ruining your life. That's my marriage. It's my job. It's my relationship with my kids. It's whatever it is. I can't handle money, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's like 20 or 30 different ruins that are pretty common for everybody. And you find out what. What that is, and you get the person into a position where they're willing to talk to you about it, and then you get them into a position where you present them with a solution to that problem. You say, "Look, we can solve that. We can absolutely deal with that, so it's no longer ruining your life." And at that point, a person's in a state of mind where they're looking for help and they're looking for a solution. And Scientology is claiming it has it, and so they pay[s] their money and they start on the road. That's how that and works. That's
1: it, and, and, and there you and, go. And,
2: and it's the same drill with celebrities. Just to circle back yeah. to that, they're people, they have ruins, they have uncertainties, they have problems, and Scientology offers them a solution to those problems. And as it unfolds in a person's life, as a person gets more and more deeply involved, it becomes more and more pervasive and more and more controlling of their life. And that's why the control factor and the and the weird authoritarianism that, that starts entering in is wh- why, we, why we say, look, it's actually a destructive cult, because it, it takes you a place that is way beyond common sense now did
1: you now, grow, did up, you in grow up in Scientology
2: yeah yeah I'm second gen yeah. so i okay, um okay. my parents were involved when i was uh they got involved when I was four years old mm-hmm. they got they were divorced uh, when I was two they got remarried because of Scientology so I had a very growing up i had a a, a very vested interest in supporting Scientology plus it was the religion mm-hmm. I was growing I grew up with i mean you know you have to it, it's the rare person Person, not it's the it's yeah. the exceptional person who bucks their parents and bucks the system you know when you're raised with it and I was raised with it I was raised with the lingo I was raised with the concepts of it and then when I was 15 years old is when I actually started officially doing my services because they found my ruin uh, you know I went into the local church when I was 15 at my dad's suggestion he said just go check it out I said okay I had I did one of those personality tests I they, they sat yeah. me down and I was a 15 year old shy nerdy Kid and they're uh, and the woman who you know and, and I'm thinking as a 15 year old teenage boy that I'm hiding all of this really good right
1: yeah, yeah. you're all <laughs> so cool and like, just
2: yeah oh yeah you don't know anything about me right and then they do this personality test and she sits down and she goes well it looks like you're kind of shy and you have a hard time talking to girls right and this is like cold reading practically it's like it war works, exactly. every 15 year old
0: ever Everyone
2: oh my god exactly does. right it didn't it <laughs> did not occur to me for years that how transparent I was as a 15 year old, right? Or how like how common my ruin was. And mm-hmm. I thought she was reading me like a book, I almost fell out of my yeah. chair, that she was so good at spotting my issues, right? And then she and then when she delivers this line, she goes, Okay, so this is all ruining your life. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm, I'm totally screwed up. I can't get a date. No girls will talk to me. <laughs> you know, I, this I, this is between my sophomore and, and, uh, and junior year of high school, right? So I'm like a massive. Mm-hmm socially and yeah. she goes well we have a class that you can take that will handle that and i'm like you do what <laughs> and she goes yeah we have this communications class and if you take this class you will get dates and you will talk to girls well i was so sold <laughs>
1: done, done
2: that i didn't even notice that after i took the class and more classes and kind of kind of got really involved in it that i wasn't getting any more dates and i wasn't becoming a ladies man <laughs> and in fact, you know, I left high school and I was still pretty nerdy, you know, kind of geeky guy. And uh, and it and it, it took me a while to get a date actually, but but that, you know, but my point is that I was so sold on the good of it because of what I was being told about it mm-hmm. that my ability to actually observe the 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 factual basis of it and you know, was was kind of gone. And that's kind of interesting really, you know that, that somebody could do that. But that's uh that's how it went.
1: And so then as you- you, you know, grew up like kind of within the church and all of that, then you, did you later become one of those people who was getting people in and giving like personality tests and that kind of stuff? Was that
2: yeah? you? I joined staff when I was 17 years old. I started working for the church Scientology of Santa Barbara, which is the church I had gone to because we were, that's where we were living. And, um, I did it right out of high school. Like I, I finished high school. I was going to go to college. I did college for three weeks and it was like, wow, this is high school, the sequel. I don't, I'm not really excited by this. So they said, well, we got a job for you. And I was like, oh, and they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to train you. You're going to get all this Scientology for free. All you got to do is work for us. It's going to be wonderful. And eight years later, you know, I'm broke. I got, you know, I've, I've been I've been slaving away for eight years. I'm not making I mean, they were paying me a, a really good week was 50 bucks, you know, so I'm working other jobs to support myself. And um, and then I joined the C organization when I was 25 years old. And I went down to L.A. and I worked there for another seven. Seventeen years, and the Sea Organization, of course, is their core elite paramilitary group that you know is sort of navy-like, and they have. Is, is that really how
0: they define and think? Like I, the, that's completely new to me. I, I don't know what this is. The Sea Org.
1: Did you sign a? Yeah. Did you sign a billion-year oh, contract?
2: Really? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I signed a billion-year contract. And yeah.
1: It? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like
2: a, you need a court for like, violating that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a symbolic thing. I mean, everybody okay. kind of knows it's symbolic, but it's um, no. The Sea Org is a lifelong. Commitment. You, you're 24/7 working for the Church Scientology. You are the core group of Scientology, and it is a paramilitary group. They act like a little navy. They have ranks and ratings and insignia and uniforms, and they and they salute each other and call you know call their seniors sir. And it's a very disciplined group. And they and it's 24/7. It's not like an eight hour a day job. You go there and you are in communal living dorm style. Um, you know men's dorms, women's dorms. If you get married, you get your own room. You don't get your own apartment. You get your own room. There's an
1: incentive.
2: Oh, yeah. So communal, it is an incentive. (laughs) Believe me. I mean, a lot of young people, like they've been, you know, people in the Sea Org have been married four or five times because you cannot have sex at all until you're married. Right. No sexual relations. So, um, so, and that's just one of the, one of the many, 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 many rules in the (laughs) Sea Org. And they work flat out. You know you get at, at the best case scenario is you get a day off once every two weeks. And that really doesn't happen very often often i mean i i the last five years what
0: are you doing you say you're working like 24 7 like what are you what are you doing
2: all kinds of things uh i the 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 C organization is responsible for church management so all of the the city level churches that you see like los angeles or denver or milano or keokuk or wherever those churches are staffed by people who sign contracts that go for two and a half or five years they do a stint and then they're done or they re-sign another contract when the C org you're the rest of your life and and, that, and, those, and those are higher level churches within the hierarchy of the church um, that manage those city level churches. So, for example, the first thing I did for the first eight years that I was in the Sea Org was I was managing churches of Scientology all across the Western United States. I was telling them what to do on a weekly basis based on their production and based on the reports that we would get from them. And it's all very set up systems. There's telexes and emails and computers and all this stuff for all this communication and production statistics. And it's a whole System, And I did that for eight or nine years until I got completely burned out doing that. Very, very high pressure kind of situation, um, constantly being demanded for money and for new members and to service the existing members and get them involved more and more. No one's ever involved in Scientology enough. You know, you want people in the classrooms and in the counseling rooms 24 seven. You want them like ah, going up the bridge, you know, doing paying their money and getting up that bridge to total freedom, which basically means doing service after service after service. Service to achieve that level of personal spiritual immortality and freedom that I was talking about. So, so that's sort of the, the 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 game of Scientology. And when you're in it, it's very high pressure. There's a lot of, you know, because they're convinced through the writings and, and, and lectures of L. Ron Hubbard that the world is going to hell in a handbasket very, very quickly. And Scientology is the only thing that can save it. And they There's are 1000% convinced I mean, I of
0: that. on board until we got, but, we got to
2: Scientology is the only mind. thing that can yeah. save it. no no it's it's very us versus (laughs) them there's there's a reason we're kind of wandering all over but it's totally cool there's a reason it's that it's that that it's referred to as a destructive cult and one of those reasons in terms of characteristics of a destructive cult is that it that it develops an us versus them black and white mentality right you're either with, with us or you're against us I think and that's not sure.
0: that's not necessarily exclusive to that though. I, I I could see how we could we can make one can make an argument that this is it's more destructive. But even you see that in Christianity too, where they say, "Well, it's the war on Christmas," or Christians are the most persecuted, or uh, even in uh, you know in Islam, they'll, they'll say, "Well, you know, we're trying to police how how like non-Muslims are trying to police how how Muslim uh, men and women dress." But I, I see, I absolutely see what you're saying, where uh, it's it's like. You said. It's, it's not about the message necessarily. It's about just get more members, get more
2: money, and okay, that's great. Now do it again and keep doing it. And now do it more. Right. It's, it's, it's not like your run-of-the-mill Christianity or even your run-of-the-mill right. Islam, but it is like extremist sects of Christianity and Islam. It right. is like the Westboro Baptists. It is like Islamic <laughs> jihadists. It's that mindset. And so you wouldn't accurately refer to Christianity Christianity as a destructive cult, but you would refer to the Westboro Baptists as a destructive cult, and one of the reasons for that is that characteristic of developing an us versus them uh, mentality, where our group is the only group that really matters. We are the only ones who have the truth with a capital T. We're the only ones who actually, or you know, in the case of the the Westboro Baptists, for example, we're the only ones who have the Word of God, right? That that (laughs) we're we're the ones who who know the sacred knowledge, right? And we. it's our duty and mission to get that knowledge out to everybody else, but we're going to be resisted. We're going to be fought. There are going to be people who are trying to stop us. And 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 for them, it is a, a situation of no mercy. They are the ones who are destroying mankind. They are the ones who must be destroyed. And if they get in our way, they're in our crosshairs, and any method necessary to get them out of our way is justified. That's the mindset. And, and it's an extremist mindset. And that is the mindset of a Scientologist.
0: And I don't, I don't um, think that's too far off from from uh, like even evangelical, like the religious right, I don't I don't think that's too far off because they, they have that where they say we are, you, you know, we have people, however, I don't know how birth control works. So every time you have sex, obviously you have to use birth control. So I don't want to pay for your birth control and, and things like that where they're actually creating these laws. And so I don't I, I absolutely see where what you're saying and, and agree with you that, you know, this is a destructive cult. Christianity, uh, I would say, is not as <laughs> destructive or maybe more socially accepted destruction. Than that, but I, I I see a lot of similarities between the two of those with how even even maybe not even so so much as the extremists like Westboro Baptist Church, uh, how just how they interact and, and how they how they try to accomplish their agenda no matter what and like in with Pence in Indiana he literally just changed the rules uh, of of how the state board of education works in Indiana because he didn't like who we as voters uh, elected so I I, I I see a lot of similarities there but I I, I agree with you that. Scientology is is batshit crazy but this in Christianity and what they're doing and the extremists and things like that are maybe like 90% as as crazy with with how they're going about things
2: well the only thing I'm the only point I'm trying to make is is it's a matter of degree Mm -hmm. and 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 that matter of degree is important and it's and it's and it's not because we need to avoid in talking about this it's a nuanced conversation Um, right all of religion in in a black and white brush is is a dangerous place to go and and so that's why I, I, I'm i careful with my words when I talk about this sort of thing, because um, you know, because Christianity is a belief system uh, that you know, Christ is Lord, you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, and you're going to go to heaven. That belief all by itself doesn't lend itself to extremism. Extremism is a thing that's developed. It's it's created by people. Um, there are cult leaders who, who inculcate this mentality in their followers, and you can certainly have within the world of Christianity or Islam or even Buddhism, you can have a particular person who will create this mindset in a small number of their followers or even a large number of their followers, but it's not all of them. And so I differentiate those two things. And I think it's an important differentiation to make because otherwise, if you start painting all of Christianity in the broad brush of it's all destructive cult, because there are some extremists in that group, you are actually making a mistake and you're and you're labeling people who are not extremists that way. And that's, that's the only reason why I'm, you know, right. And I was, yeah, yeah,
0: and I might not have been clear. I was speaking more to the like what we would call the religious right, evangelical, like basically yeah. people yeah. like Mike Pence, who I, I yeah. don't know. We, we we never met. I really don't like Mike Pence. And we could talk about this for <laughs>
2: another. Yeah, like, it's all good. I, I'm, tracking on, I'm tracking on what you're saying. And, <laughs> and you're right that there and that though the religious right, so to speak, are a um, are moving in that direction, if you were going to put it. On the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? They are not your turn the other cheek Christians, right? <laughs> they're 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 more hardcore about it. Um, I'm going to make the case about a destructive cult with a series of characteristics about that group. Black and white thinking is only one of those characteristics. Us mm-hmm. versus them mentality is is a related characteristic, but there are others. For example, um, one of the other characteristics of a destructive cult is is a um, they tend to have a a, a real fixation on money uh, or sex. Uh, for example, right? The, the the cult leader uses the group for that purpose of making money or, or getting sex or power. Um, you know, I don't know that Mike Pence is doing that particularly. I wouldn't call well, him he won't a
0: even be, leader. he won't even eat dinner alone with another woman. So,
2: oh, no, I know, and but it's not It's not about, <laughs> the police, it's about their actions, and it's right, about, no, yeah, I understand, um, yeah. So, anyway, um, but as far as uh, you know, as far as Scientology goes, they there is an extremist view, and I just want to kind of get back to that point which is that right. um, you know Elron Hubbard wrote and said things that are without question I mean it's 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 in irrefutable that the man wanted Scientologists in a fervor about Scientology he wanted them concerned and worried and upset about the state of the world and he very much communicated that the only solution period was Scientology you know that at the at the lower sort of PR level Scientology Scientologists will tell you that they're open to people of other denominations, that it's a multi-denominational group, that you can be a Scientologist and be a Jewish or a Christian or whatever. That's bullshit. <laughs> right? Because when you start getting into that Scientology group and you start listening to what Hubbard has to say about Christianity and the Christian God and, or, or the God of Islam even, um, you know, he flat out calls it a myth and he and and he says that, um, that you know, organized religion, you know, is, is pretty destructive stuff. Of course, except for Scientology. Except for,
0: except for mine. <laughs>
2: Right, <laughs> for us, right? because we're, we're the ones who have all the answers right and he makes it very very clear that Scientology is a um a life or death matter right those are the words that he uses it's it's not a game or something cute or lack of something to do for lack of something better it's you know the the uh the fate of every man woman and child on this planet for the next endless trillions of years depends on what you do here and now with and in Scientology well right? trillion, trillion
0: is more than billion so I mean yeah. you got a couple contracts you, you can go through
2: the um the other basis of of Scientology, the fundamental belief of Scientology is that you are an immortal spiritual being. Uh, so you are not your body. You Your body is a possession of yours that's that's a temporary affair. You have lived a near infinite amount of time into the past, and you are immortal. You are going to live into the future. So what Hubbard claims is that the quality of that existence is going to be as good as you take advantage of Scientology to salvage you as a spiritual being. That sounds right?
0: a and that's where... like, lot like Buddhism.
2: Well, that's why I said it's East Me 20 West. hubbard hubbard or, pretended yeah, yeah. to take a lot of concepts out of buddhism and merge them with western practicality and science and this is one of the for somebody who doesn't for if you don't know a lot about buddhism then it would sound like that right um buddhism is actually radically different from scientology and in, in, in its basic oh no yeah yeah oh, yeah absolutely right I, yeah, I understand that part yeah but most westerners actually don't get buddhism right like real buddhism like what it really is you gotta you gotta dig in a bit to find out and um so they have this sort of surface level understanding of Buddhism from what they see on TV or what they, you know, read in a magazine or something. And, and this is where people come into Scientology with that level of understanding of Buddhism and they go, oh, this is just like Buddhism except it has these practical things and that's why Ron Heppard <laughs> can get away with saying crap like that, right? And so he presented this as a religious philosophy and that's how they got 501c3 exemption <laughs> and religious recognition which gives them all kinds of rights in the courts and uh, with taxes. And so that's how he pawned it off as a religion, right? And and so uh, so getting back to the destructive cult part, um, you know, you have that extremism of belief and you have this, we are the only answer. So they are not tolerant of other beliefs. They are not tolerant of other views. And so uh, like at the core, even though they might say things like, oh yeah, we, you know, and this even extends out to LGBT, right? Where they'll say, oh yeah, we're tolerant of LGBT, right? And Laura Preppen can be on Orange is the New Black and play a lesbian. But you read L. Ron Hubbard's works, that is a perversion and a mental illness, and it is unacceptable behavior in the world of Scientology. You cannot be a homosexual Scientologist and expect to uh, rise in the ranks and and, to, and and be given all of Scientology.
0: So what do they do? Like if if somebody is in the church and, and is, you know, identified as transgender or a, a gay lesbian, like what, is there a treatment protocol or do they just beat it out of you
2: or do they... <laughs> Like what? They, they I, encourage... I, I mean, we're laughing, but like that's not really a joke. Oh no, no, you know, no! It's it's actually not too funny. They try to um Scientology counseling is called auditing, okay? And uh that's the practice of of sitting in a room and being asked a bunch of questions or being given various commands with that E meter and you know going through all these processes. They are going. They're they're sure that they can audit the gay away, and all you have to do is pay is your money, right? Uh, also, though, you are told early on that you have to knock it off. It's considered unethical behavior.
0: So, so just like I interact with my kids, hey, knock that shit off, like stop it. Oh yeah,
2: no, absolutely. No, yeah. An <laughs> ethics officer in a Scientology organization there's a there's a position of a person in the, in every one of the churches, and the title is ethics officer, and their job is to enforce Hubbard's codes of ethics and conduct on all Scientologists, and that very much includes not practicing homosexuality. So if you come in saying, look, I'm a, you know I'm a homosexual, they're going to go, okay, great, and they'll start you off very slowly like you can do that communications class, nobody's going to give you any shit, you can do some beginning counseling, nobody's going to mention it, nobody's going to really talk about it too much. But as you get deeper into it, and once you've once once they feel safe in sitting you down and talking to you about it, and they're going to feel safe about that once they think you have accepted that this is really good shit, and you want more of it, right Scientology, then they're going to start putting the conditions on you, right. And one of those conditions is going to be, look, L. Ron Hubbard has this and this and this to say about homosexuality. And uh, if you agree that L. Ron Hubbard knows what he's talking about, then you need to agree that L. Ron Hubbard knows what he's talking about with this too. And therefore, you need to knock it off. And while we know that you might still have urges and ideas that you are transgender, homosexual, bisexual, whatever, we want you to stop practicing it in the real world and just keep it in your head and trust us that as you do the auditing that we assign to you to do, that's going to be handled and it's going to go away and you're not going to feel that way anymore, right? And if you were to break those rules and continue practicing your homosexuality or bisexuality or transgender activities, you would start getting in trouble with Scientology after that
1: point. Getting in trouble stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: That's a problem, right?
2: Yeah, and the trouble is going to consist of denying you auditing, denying you classes, um, and paying more money to do ethics handlings and what's called sex checking which are which is where they start pulling out of you all of your heinous evil crimes and deeds and uh and recording all of it right and uh and you're either gonna get with the program or you know you're gonna be shown the door and that's how that's how that works for the lgbt community in scientology
1: so in general i mean you are living your life doing exactly what they tell you or else consequences that's right and so that- also extends to relationships with people who aren't within the church, right? Is it... Mm -hmm. Am I right with the idea of suppressive...
2: Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's get into this. So part of the ethics is, um, okay, I mentioned earlier that, you know, any destructive cult has this us versus them mentality, right? This Mm -hmm. is true of all of them, Um, whether you're in a martial arts cult or a religious cult or a political cult or whatever. Scientology is different from most other destructive cults in the volume of material and content and rules and guidelines. There are books and books of this stuff, just volumes of policies and bulletins and lectures and books and all kinds of stuff. It's very, very uh, formalized, right? It's very, very structured. So part of that structure is that there are antisocial personalities in the world, and of course, all of us know that there are antisocial personalities in the world. I mean, it doesn't—it's it, no stretch of the imagination to find them. They're—they're they're easy to see. Um, you know, Hitler. You know, John Wilkes Booth. I mean, just criminals. You know, just people in in day to day life, serial killers. So you go, okay, there are antisocial personalities. And Hubbard has written bulletins and books and stuff about antisocial personalities and how, if you have an antisocial personality in your life, in Scientology, that person is referred to as a suppressive person because they're trying to suppress people. They're trying to hold them down, right? Um, And they don't have to be serial killers with knives and guns and killing people in order to be an antisocial personality, right? This could be the person at your job who is secretly conniving to get you fired because they don't like you you and are working against you. And every chance they get, they, you know, complain to the boss about you and this kind of thing. So as far as you're concerned, that guy is a suppressive person because he's trying to suppress you. Right. Mm-hmm. So in Scientology ethics, there's a whole series of steps that a person takes. Oh, and oh, this this is where it gets weird. So no, this, this is where it, it gets weird. weird. This well, is the point. <laughs> I think what I've explained so far is actually fairly non-weird. I mean, there's, there's, there's bad people in the world and they work against yeah. you, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's particularly a, a weird idea. But Hubbard makes it weird when he says, if you are sick, whether it's a common cold or you come down with hepatitis or whether you get a fever, you are connected to a suppressive person somehow, because um, all illness stems from a condition of being connected. Connected to a suppressive person. That's the only reason you get sick in the first place. So denial question.
0: of germ theory. Yeah, okay. yeah.
2: So, um, and originally in Dianetics, he ascribed this to mental phenomena called engrams, which are past moments of pain and unconsciousness. And he said, that's the reason you get sick. But then later on, he said, no, what really happens is you get connected to a suppressive person and they sort of stimulate those, those bad traumatic incidents. And that's what makes you sick. So it's not necessarily like you're like, He's contradicting himself he just sort of added to the mythology of it so these suppressive people are bad because they make you sick they make you have accidents you get stupid around them you act like an idiot you know like there's all these phenomena that occur around suppressive people and so what you're supposed to do is uh if you get like let's say you're a joe scientologist and you walk into the church one day and you got a cold right you're blowing your nose and you're coughing the ethics officer is going to go hey dude come over here right and he's going to sit you down and he's going to go Let's look at your life and let's see who the suppressive person is because you're sick. And that means there's some suppressive person either now or somebody's reminding you of a suppressive person that was in your past. So we're going to find out what that's all about. And they do an interview on you and they and you have to find the SP. You have to find this who this person is. Oh, it's my boss. He's giving me shit. He's giving me a hard time and I don't know what to do about it. And part of and, and so you're now labeled PTS. You are a potential trouble source. You're a source of trouble. Right. Because you're connected to this suppressive person and you're not doing anything about it. So the suppressive person is, you know, is, is, is ruining your life and, and your PTS. So here's your label, you know, there you go. And if you're PTS, you can't be audited until you handle this PTS condition. So you are supposed to do one of two things. You are either supposed to handle this suppressive person. So he's not suppressing you anymore, or if that doesn't work, you disconnect, you get that person out of your life. If that means that you have to quit your job and go get another job, then that's what you're going to do because we got to get this guy out of your life, right? Now, if this suppressive person is the the other part of being an antisocial personality is anyone who is against Scientology is a suppressive person, right? Now, they don't have to be a criminal. They don't even have to necessarily be an an evil, horrible person. But if they're against Scientology and they're encouraging you to stop being a Scientologist and they're telling you it's a ripoff and a scam and something you shouldn't be doing, or somebody like me who comes out of Scientology and talks All about all the wonderful horribleness of it. I'm a suppressive person now, so no Scientologist can be connected to me. And so you, so you have to disconnect from people who the Church says are suppressive people. And so now we've taken this idea of trying to make your life a little bit better by not having people who are assholes in it, (laughs) and now we've turned it into an authoritarian control system where if the Church says somebody is an SP, you have to disconnect from them. You have no choice in the matter. Not if you want to. and you're doing Scientology. No, you Do isolate from anybody
0: that's, yeah, that's offering awesome any awesome sort, of sort of disagreement, disagreement
2: and, 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 and makes it a lot easier, lot easier to, to deal, with, deal you. with you. Exactly. And the church will sell the person on why the suppressive person is such an evil, horrible person, even if this church has to lie about them to make the sale, right? Like I was mm-hmm. working for the church Scientology for 25 years. In that time, I made the church thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, actually hundreds of thousands of dollars personally. I recruited people into the church, I salvaged and recovered people back into the church. I mean, we're talking hundreds of people. And I did a lot of work over that 25 years. However, I am painted out now to be a total bad guy, and I wasn't a bad guy until the day I started posting on the internet critical remarks about <laughs> Scientology. And as soon as I did that, I was a suppressive person no matter how much good I did. And I lost my fiance, and I lost friends that I had for over 20 years, and I lost a whole I, I just lost a whole bunch of people that were very important to me. And this all happened back in 2013 because of this disconnection thing. So mm-hmm. so the whole SP thing, like I mentioned, goes from something that kind of makes sense to something that's really twisted and sick and evil. And anyone can be subject to disconnection, to being labeled a suppressive person at any time by the Church of Scientology officially if they don't do what the Church of Scientology tells them to do, right? If they don't toe the line. Um, now, the Church of Scientology she isn't going to officially label your Aunt Mamie a suppressive person with a letter <laughs> and, and call her up and say, you're a yeah, suppressive yeah. They're only going to do that when you're already a Scientologist and they're mm-hmm. kicking you out, which is what they did to me, right? They gave me a call and they said, yeah, you're declared, you're a suppressive person and uh, you're out of here and you've now lost everybody who's important to you and we don't care. And uh, there you go. So that's how that works.
1: So how, so then, okay, you were in the church for decades. You did, yep. so, you did all this work. This was your life. Yep. What was your moment, or was it a series of moments that led you to say, I'm done?
2: It was a long series of incidents. It was really sort of 10 years in the making. Um, I'm a slow learner. (laughs) <laughs> I'm the first to get all critical with myself about it, right? I mean, I should have you know, seen what was going on a long time before it did. But there's a lot of fact twisting and, and thought twisting that goes on in Scientology that makes it all seem like it's your fault. If you're having critical thoughts about the church or about its leadership, it's on you. It's not on the church, right? And, and, and the teachings of L. Ron Hubbard were very carefully calculated to make it that way. So it took me a long time to undo that. And kind of get myself out of that, you know, mind screwy. Uh, I started around 2002, 2003, with some things that happened when I was getting burned out as a manager, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I was starting to see that the, that the organizational structure of the of the, the thing was not conducive to achieving the church's goals or stated goals, I should say, mm-hmm. it's very conducive to achieving its actual goals of making money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's not so conducive to ridding the world of insanity, war and criminality, which is what the state goals of Scientology are. They're doing a very piss-poor job of that. They're doing a great job of making money, right? So I um, started having doubts and and concerns, but I blamed it on myself. And it took me 10 years. Uh, A series of things happened, which are probably too long to explain, but short version is one day I realized that I was actually having to tell more lies on a daily basis than I was telling truth in order to convince people to do Scientology or come back into Scientology or recruit them for Scientology. And I don't like being a liar. So that was a little bit of a startling revelation one day when I was like, hey, wait a minute, what have I become? Mm -hmm. And um, the other, you know, some of the other things were that I was not, I was sort of martyring myself for the cause. And it kind of hit me one day that that's what was happening. And uh, I didn't want to be a martyr. You know, I wanted to (laughs) live a successful, happy life. And so I, you know, I wanted a family. I wanted, you know, I wanted my own life. I wanted to, I wanted to actually partake of Scientology. And I wasn't able to to do that when I was working for it because I was too busy working all the time. Right. So, um, so I didn't really dig on that. And also the, the intense concentration on money became so obvious. It was, I couldn't ignore it anymore, you know, and I didn't start working for Scientology because I thought that it was all about money, but it morphed over those 25 years. And so it just became such a blatant money grab that I was like, wow, this isn't really what I signed up for, you know? So I hit the eject button.
1: And then here you are like and yeah. talking, yeah. about talking about, about
2: and, it. And, oh, know. finally, I, I should say the the thing that actually got me that got all those things I was just telling you about are the things that got me to stop working for Scientology. Mm. The thing that got me out of Scientology was when I went down the rabbit hole of the internet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, another reason, and this is an important one as to why, Scientology is a destructive cult is information control. You know, you can't mm. go on the internet as a Scientologist and look at information that's critical of Scientology. That's a crime in Scientology. You will get in a lot, a lot of trouble for doing that.
0: And like, what what happens? What, like, you say a lot
2: of trouble, like, what you, you are they out of the outside church. of secluding you into a... No, no, they'll kick you out. They'll declare okay. you a suppressive person just for looking at stuff on the internet. Wow. So especially lately, about the last seven or eight years, they really started circling the wagons on that because the internet is Scientology's Vietnam. It's the fight they can't win, right? <laughs> yeah, because
1: it's, it's all out there. Exactly.
2: Yeah. In the 1950s and 1960s, 1970s, mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, there was no internet. Yeah. So all of their tactics for dealing with criticism worked. Mm-hmm. But with the internet, all of it is out there. All the confidential stuff is there. All of Hubbard's confidential writings. Not just the, the Xenu crap. I'm talking about <laughs> Hubbard's con- confidential writings about how to deal with critics because there's some nasty stuff he wrote about dealing with people who are critical of Scientology. I mean, he was, you want to talk about an extremist and David Miscavige, the guy who took over for him, he's even worse. So, so the disconnection thing rips apart families. It rips up friendships. It rips mm-hmm. apart businesses. I mean, it's it's pretty fucked up stuff. But this, this other stuff I'm talking about is called fair game. And that's where they go after their critics. They call their critics fair game. They're fair game for whatever we want to dish at them. And if that means we ruin their lives because they dared to speak out about Scientology, then that's what we're going to do. And and Hubbard very much endorsed that, right? And they'll hire private investigators and they'll, Scientologists and lawyers, and they'll come after you and they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. It was much worse in the 80s and 90s. They have really been defanged by the internet and by the exposure that the internet provides. But that, that information control is all the more important for their little world in order for them to maintain their control of their membership. So the whole time I was in Scientology, coming back to me here, <laughs> I didn't look at the internet. I was gonna say, had, like, are
0: you yeah. even allowed to have a cell phone or like?
2: No, not as a Sea Org member. As a public Scientologist, you can, but as a Sea Org member working 24 seven and stuff, the control is amazing. I mean, it's, they have they have full control of your life. So I didn't, they don't provide you with internet access, right? It was only through an, a, a series of events That were very unusual that i was able to peek at the internet at all and um and that started cluing me into a couple things but you self-police because you know that all your secrets are subject to church scrutiny when you go into your counseling sessions and you are trained to not have secrets from the church so you police yourself to not look at things that are critical of scientology well after i stopped working 24 7 for them And they started treating me a little strangely and a little harshly, which I didn't really appreciate. I went on the Internet because I had full Internet access. I had my own apartment. I had my own laptop. I had my own Internet connection. I was like, let's check this out. And
0: (laughs) I heard uh, of that Internet there.
2: Yeah. And within this was this all happened in Minnesota when I moved out there after I left the Sea Org. And it took me three months Of deep diving, finding out all about the real life of L. Ron Hubbard. The fact that David Miscavige was beating on people, right? The fact that L. Ron Hubbard was a lying scumbag, right? He was bigamist. I mean, all those things I learned after coming out of working for the church. And when you say
0: beating on people, do you mean like literally or? Literally.
2: I mean, literally. David Miscavige, the head of the Church of Scientology, and he has been accused by no less than, oh, I don't know, 20 people of beating on them, physically, assaulting them. uh, Within the Sea Org, within the world of the Sea Org, he works at the International Base in San Jacinto, California, which is a confidential location. Scientologists don't know where that is. Everybody else in the world does, but Scientologists don't. And that base, that gold uh, International Base, is where he lives, and the people who live and work there are subject to his punishments. And his punishments include physical assault. So um, so he's he's been known to beat up on people. And I've met those people because they left the Sea Org. They were like, screw this. And I you know, they're friends of mine. I talked to them. I mean, I don't have any doubts that this is true. But at the time, first coming out of the church, I had all kinds of doubts about this being true. I didn't want to believe that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, David Miscavige is revered in Scientology and the world of Scientology. He's the savior, right? So so to think this guy's beaten up on people and is an authoritarian dictator, I mean, these were not pleasant things for me to learn about. And uh, I was furious to learn that I had been being lied to for all those years. I, I don't even have words to describe how pissed off I was. Oh, yeah. I can't, so I can't even imagine. yeah, I mean, I'd wasted 25 years of my life. I mean, this was a big, big, big moment in my life. 2013 was not a fun year for me. And um, and I was and I, as you know, you have me on here right now, you can tell I'm I, I talk, you know, and uh, <laughs> and I'm not shy about talking. And so when I found out that I had been, you know, the betrayal and the level of deception that had occurred. um, I wanted to expose that, you know, and it was very, very hard for me to keep my mouth shut, because I was trying to play nice with the church, even after I learned all this stuff, because of my fiance, who was a Scientologist, and her whole family were Scientologists. So I was in a very, very tough position of having learned the truth about the group and what it was really up to. And yet the person that I loved at the time, and her whole family were hardcore believers, right? And so I was trying, to walk this line of what am I going to do about this? And but I was so upset about what I learned, I needed to vent, and so I got online anonymously and I started venting. And I didn't particularly appreciate how closely the Church of Scientology monitors the internet, <laughs> oh. and they figured out who I was, even though I was posting anonymously, wow. and uh, by what I was saying and how I was saying yeah. it. They are really kind they're of good,
1: they're good, they're, they're, wow, yeah, they
2: good. yeah, and they figured it out and they confronted me on it. And I got busted, and I got declared a suppressive person, and I lost her and everyone. That's how that all went down.
1: Wow. Well, yeah. and, and that seems to be the the common theme with everybody that we talk to—people who have left like the Jehovah's Witness faith or left Islam or like you—you you lose a lot by leaving yeah, and by right. and 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 that's and that's probably what compels people to stay. Often, right? Is that connection and, oh my and God, family yes. and loved oh, ones? Yeah. and so I think it takes a certain kind of. Bravery, in a sense, to leave this kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of. uh,
2: it's a it's a rough go, you know, no no yeah. question about it. Um, you know, Leah Remini left. You know, talking mm-hmm. about celebrities, and she took her whole family with her. Like she did it right. She set it up. You know, she actually lined up everything, and then they all left together. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, she would have lost all of them because her mother was was highest level Scientologist. Her husband was a Scientologist, right? Um, her in laws. I mean, she, you know, she had all these family members who, you know, she would have lost if she hadn't played it smart.
1: And now, I mean, now she's out there with the TV shows, book, yep. like just trying to like blow the lid off of all of it. That's right. And so it's, it's all out there. I mean, between that and like the um, Going Clear book and HBO documentary, like the, there's exposure yes. of all of this kind of fucked upness in um, <laughs> yes.
2: Scientology. It's really good. Um, and, yeah. and it's way high time that there is. And and this is the kind of exposure that needs to happen with all these groups, Because there's a lot of them out there. I mean, it's estimated about 5,000 destructive cults in the world, and um, you know, and, and extremist Islam is you know just one of them. Um, so, so it needs that kind of exposure, and people need to know how it works, how people get sucked into this in the first place. Because the mistake that way too many people make is they watch something from me or from Leah or from Mike Render or whoever about Scientology, and they point fingers and they go, "Well, those people were stupid. I would never fall for that." And they literally have no idea what they're talking about because I'll tell you right now that the guy who thinks he was impenetrable and couldn't be sold was the first guy I wanted to talk to when I was bringing people into Scientology because they're so easy to deal with and and hook in you know if you know how to do it so uh so there's nobody who's immune from being conned or fooled it's just a matter of what group is going to do it maybe Scientology isn't the group that's going to do it for you but the Jehovah's witnesses are or you know <laughs> Trump supporters I don't know I mean any of these groups get pretty you know cult like so um so anybody can fall for this stuff and the more you learn about it the more you find out how uh ubiquitous it is
1: and so you know kind of that being said we obviously want to I guess promote critical thinking as much as possible right and like yes. and I yes. mean we like we've for talked for about that so much in people, the
2: not just for breakfast anymore
1: yeah like oh that's so good my shirt because yeah, cause, like, yeah oh, that's awesome the, the, yeah, yeah the, so, like, and
0: the, we, the people listening to this on the on the actual podcast aren't going to get the, the there's visuals, a shirt, but... know, that's my shirt. That's <laughs> there's a shirt critical thinking man but, like i'm all about cause it
1: we've because yeah we talked about it so much we talk about it all the time but so much since like the you know the fact that donald trump got elected president of the united states and people voted for him and didn't really exhibit critical thinking but like how do, to kind of wrap up like how do we promote that how do we help people think rationally well, critical
2: critically? thinking is a, it's a whole Whole, you know, education skill set, right? So, I mean, it really is going to take teaching it in school. It's going to take teaching it on the internet. I mean, I've made a lot of videos about critical thinking. I'm, I'm doing one right now about flat earthers. Oh. Um, yeah, literally, when we're done with this, I'm going to finish that video because... Say,
0: we've been going for about an hour and a half now. I think we can, we, we can broadcast live up to eight hours. So... <laughs>
2: Well, no, but I'm just saying that critical thinking is a very, very valuable skill. It's something I knew nothing about until I got out of Scientology, and I started reading Carl Sagan, James Randi, Penn & Teller. I mean, at Michael Shermer, I got hooked up with skeptic.com. I mean, these were all resources I found coming out of Scientology. And I'll tell you, reading Carl Sagan's Demon Haunted World, I mean, that was that was an epiphany for me. You know, my whole world changed as a result of that. Um, we need to popularize that and normalize critical thinking, make it the... The thing to do and but it's but there's there's a lot to it because it's not just talking you know it's not like okay critical thinking great I'm a critical thinker okay <laughs> because because yeah. every conspiracy theorist and every flat earther is convinced that they are critical thinkers yeah it, it's ridiculous you can use the jargon of critical thinking and still be a complete dupe it yes <laughs> there's it's a there's a there's a there's an attitude to critical thinking that and and that that's probably the the most important things about critical thinking are, are are the attitude of it, and it's not the attitude is not a challenging. I'm going to buck the system. You know, the status quo has it all wrong, and then they're all screwed, and I'm the critical thinker because I can think outside the box. People like that don't even understand what the status quo is. They don't even they haven't bothered to take the time to learn. It's it's taking the time to say I don't know. It's taking the time to realize that you know you need to learn. <laughs> And, and that an it's okay, okay to not of, know things it, What's
0: that? and that it's okay to not know things
2: yeah exactly that it's okay the the, the the three most important words in critical thinking are i don't know and then and really having an attitude that it's acceptable to do that it's very hard because in our modern world especially in the u.s these are dirty words man if you don't know you're made fun of in grade school you are ridiculed you're ignorant you're a dope you get a name, called all these names because you don't know something we really need to deal with that right because it's the it's a completely back bass backwards attitude to have about yeah. knowledge and learning so so we got some work to do on that yes we definitely well,
0: do. We should probably wrap this up since uh we went okay. about a half hour over <laughs> <when> we were <laughs> we were
2: anticipating I, here i, I hope, I hope uh, that's okay. i'm sorry if i talked too much oh, no. No,
1: we're, it is, no it is are, it is
2: absolutely
1: we'd love to have you back to talk even more about this sometime <laughs> because this is like yeah, I, this is fascinating it's a whole rabbit hole right? it is
0: right because one of the questions i want wanted to know i wanted to know uh and, and again we don't have time to go to this now so this is this is what we, we call a tease i guess uh if <laughs> you'll come back uh we want to know we want to talk about uh like what scientologists think of like the creation of earth and like uh like if it's like a creationist meets like alien like crazy world or uh, something really cool that i don't even know <laughs> oh about
2: my God. so much to tell you <laughs> so so I, if, I should say my,
0: my my knowledge my knowledge yeah. of of that is is the south park episode that that they did about Scientology, and I it, it flashed on the screen. This is what they really believe, so it has to be true, or else because TVs can't lie, <laughs> uh, but also. <laughs> But also,
2: let's just I say, we let's just say that the South Park episode is about one tenth of the, the actual story. Oh, so we, we need enacted. to have you back sometime. Yeah, I'm happy to come back. Okay. I, I'm I can talk about this stuff all day. Awesome. Well, and
0: the other the other thing is, we like Natalie and I, we are feel like we're very strong. And like, I, uh, I'm going to be in New York at the end of next month, and I'm debating on like my free evening that I have going to the Scientology Center just to see. But now you have me terrified to go there because <laughs> it's <laughs> like. I'm, He's I'm, gonna I'm, call,
1: I'm, call I'm, me and be like, Natalie, I'm a
0: Scientologist. Natalie, you haven't heard the real story. You haven't heard what Elron really meant when he said this. Right.
2: Well, you're not I will gonna be
1: your suppressive you. person.
2: Yeah. No. You, almost everything we talked about today, except for that ruin finding stuff, is stuff you're never gonna hear on the first day. Sure. You know, they're not gonna tell you about this stuff. They're gonna they're gonna try to find your ruin and they're gonna try to appeal to you on an emotional basis. That, the logical fallacies that get people into Scientology are appeal to emotion and appeal to authority. Mm-hmm. And if you can resist, you know, falling into that trap, you're gonna be fine, you know.
0: Well, I don't have an um, ocean. So I mean so Don,
2: you're good. <laughs> good.
1: We'll find a different cult for you. Okay, so That's Chris, for, for people who want to like find you on the internet after listening yep. to this, where can they find you?
2: Google Chris Shelton Scientology. My channel is Chris Shelton on YouTube. My blog is called mncriticalthinking.com because uh, I used to be in Minnesota, so it was the Minnesota Critical Thinker, but then I moved mm-hmm. away and I moved to down. Verso now on the critical thinker at large. Um, but it's mncriticalthinking.com. All of my articles, all my videos, all of that is on that blog. And I have a book called Scientology A to Zenu, an insider's guide to what Scientology is really all about. It is not a memoir. My book is a critical analysis of Scientology. And I only talk about myself in the first chapter to sort of establish some credentials. But I review what Dianetics is, what Scientology is, who L. Ron Hubbard is, how they got tax exemption, you know, and all. Also, there's three chapters in that book on recovering from Scientology. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm very proud of that book, and I, and I think it's on, it's on Amazon, and it's an audiobook, ebook, whatever. But it's, it's all out there, so people can check that out.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic.
2: Yeah, Absolutely, you so you're very welcome. It was thank fun. Thank you.
0: This week. The reason <laughs> I can't, I can't I'm
1: already laughing, I'm already laughing. I go
0: can't, ahead. I can't. Well, it's, it's, is it a lot? I don't know. It's almost laughable, except the, part, <laughs> the parts that aren't. No, it just, right. It's,
1: it's more, I'm, I'm only laughing at, at mic drop.
0: I don't and okay. how it's
1: written. I go ahead. So just this please week,
0: read. this week, something, something internet. Yeah. Is, do I say Josh Feerstein? Fear I don't how the I don't know how anybody says his it last name. I know that's kind of a it straw doesn't. man to not a straw man, but a uh, ad-hom to to make fun of Homeboy's last name. But I mean when when you act just I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for here.
1: Like a piece of shit?
0: Douche canoe?
1: Yeah, perhaps? let's go douche canoe. Let's do douche canoe. Yeah. Let's do that. So this
0: is the – I don't even know what he actually does in real life on a day-to-day basis. He's some sort of hip, cool creature. Is he a pastor? I I think. I think he is. But he has a couple million people that follow him on Facebook and who knows where else. He's he's the guy who does the weird – I'm holding my phone sideways while taking a video, screaming into my phone. Probably to the – somebody who doesn't know that he's recording a video. He looks – very similar to a psychopath, uh, the guy that freaked out about Starbucks having red coffee cups and 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 said everybody should write "Merry Christmas" on the cups or tell tell Starbucks that your name is "Merry Christmas." We could oh, I, People have talked about that at length. I know this is something that happened what eight months ago, nine months ago. This is it's July, and that was last. Last December, but there's there's so much privilege to unwrap in that. He he also has a couple of picture, or a couple of videos where he's pointing guns. Anyway, we could we could just talk about all this. And he shoots a gun on a video and his kid's like right there, I think, and it's just really weird. And I was uncomfortable, even though I know obviously he's not gonna show himself shooting his kid or something bad like that. I, mean, I still you're kinda like this makes me uncomfortable. So, with that in mind, uh, last week he posted <laughs> this as as he's one to do, uh actual I'm just gonna read this verbatim, I'm gonna try to not laugh and just read it through uh as, as it is. <laughs> there is no such thing as transgender. There are only men who think they are women. It's demonic and a mental disorder. Dear pastors, grow a pair and start preaching truth. If you don't engage culture, Pause for dramatic effect because he wrote dot 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 yeah. dot, dot dot. It will engage you. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag mic drop. Hashtag share. Hashtag amen. So I like that he. Not,
1: but could, could I just could I just point one thing out yes. before we before we move this along? I mean, dude, edit your post before you post to your couple million followers. But also his. The typos are ridiculous. Right, I don't even. But mic drop. I I don't even know. There's
0: so many things to to go in here. Yes, that's what I wanted to start with. Is just we
1: start with that. There's no
0: such thing as transgender. Transgender is capitalized as if it's Mm. formally recognizing that it's 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 its own thing, like Christianity or. Or arc encounter or whatever. It's, it's, so you're, there, this thing doesn't exist, but I'm going to pay it the respect by giving it a capital T. There are only men who think there are women, uh, but not women who think there are, he doesn't even cover women yeah. who think they are men or women who identify as men. I shouldn't. Rephrase him uh, and say the wrong thing. Uh, so there's no such thing as transgender, but it is demonic and a mental disorder. So it right, doesn't exist, it, but it does. But it doesn't. Yeah. But it does. But it doesn't. Uh, that's kind
1: of what Ari pointed out when you posted this the other day. It's right. just it's there's no such thing, but it is a thing. But so, it is,
0: but it is a thing. So in, I'm already inconsistent with mm-hmm. myself, or he's the statement's yes. inconsistent with itself. Uh, and then pastors grow a pair and start preaching truth because only men can be pastors, mm-hmm. or maybe. Uh, and, of course, he's referring – I have to assume he's referring to a pair of testicles, which
1: yes, – I, I believe you, that that you only, is the only pair. God
0: only gives us one uh, set of testicles. I don't know if anybody's ever bothered to explain basic biology uh, to Mr. Fierstein.
1: So, <laughs> he's you know, he's just asking people to grow a couple extra balls. <laughs> grow, Whatever. Grow, Easy. Grow, That's how evolve, it works.
0: Evolve and start preaching truth. I doubt he if believes you don't, in that in evolution if you don't engage, Yeah, if you don't engage culture, don't, no apostrophe in there. Uh, or we, we we can back up even it's he didn't put the apostrophe in. There. Uh, anyway, if you don't engage culture space, dot, dot, da, dot. it yeah. will engage you. That's so. What does that I mean?
1: Just, what does that mean?
0: Well, I think I think there's some value to that statement. If you don't acknowledge that this problem exists, the the problem will become overwhelming. Uh, looking at you, all right, but. Even when we yeah. go into the hashtags, which are just laughable because you mic dropped yourself on himself. Facebook with saying something that's kind of incredibly uh myopic in Can I can I say the word without I, I don't want to say this word. Uh we'll we'll say it off the air because I and we can have that discussion somewhere because I don't want to be labeled ableist. But mic drop lowercase m capital D on it. So that's 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 the most confusing part. Because all the other stuff, I expect him to say. Because none of it's intelligent; it's all stupid. Just, but lowercase m, capital D on the drop, as if if he didn't capitalize the D, people wouldn't be able to read it. Is that what he's implying? Because he didn't capitalize any of the other hashtags in any way. Yeah. And <laughs> hashta- hashtag share. Which I've been posting – anytime I post on uh, Alternative Science this week, I'm just posting hashtag share because that's the funny he saying. To, he needs to we, remind people sh- to share his yeah, shit. Also, yeah, that's how much he doesn't respect the intelligence of his audience is if you like this content, you won't know to share it unless I tell you to share it. Uh, but – I mean, do we even need to talk about how stupid the actual statement is? Or no, no,
1: because any because anybody that has probably already seen this and just heard you read it knows. that Oh, we it's didn't such even cover bullshit. the graphic
0: that went with it, though.
1: Wait, what? Well, uh, wait, which you didn't see that? Was it the one where he this, circled? Or no, that was a different post, I believe.
0: It was a different post. It I, was a different well, I post. A, I think. Gotcha. I posted, yeah, I posted both of those yeah. to Instagram and I think Twitter yeah. maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. You did. Uh, and they.
1: I believe they were two separate. This, I believe, was a text-only post. And then in his uh, other one, he had like the the circle, the, you know, what, the two genders yeah, the and then the m- rest male, that female were, yeah.
0: And then said the rest are mental disorders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you call it bigotry. I call it common sense. I will not be silent. I will not shut up. Send me hate mail. Threaten my life. I'm no no apostrophe in the word I'm I'm a voice. <laughs> Period. All, all caps. Not an echo. All caps exclamation mark. Uh, it's like, and dude, as no, I showed no, that but... to show that to Emily and she immediately said, I'm a real boy. <laughs> that's
1: that's pretty that is pretty accurate. Right. I think that's his internal monologue. And
0: right. And we can he... talk about all the all because he has the I don't know how many genders there are on this, but it's, it's the Tumblr meme that has a ton of different genders on it. And you can go, you can debate how many there should be, if what whatever, because some of them I will agree to me, I don't understand it, but that doesn't mean it's not right. It just means I don't understand it in my current mindset. And this is something that I know Natalie, you and I have talked about uh, having Callie or, or somebody, I don't know, more, more intelligent on this issue, I guess, Come on our show and, and discuss with, with both of us uh, because of course, but of course, uh, well, no, this uh, I'm looking at this, <laughs> this again, and this actually does have attack helicopter on it. So I don't know if oh, this I, I think this is looks to be the one that somebody ma- made up based on what they made up, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know. But so that's he, that's
0: that kind of makes it even funnier to me that he's parody trying to parody parody, but whatever failing. he is such strong parody, it's perception, and I don't know where the parody begins and where the seriousness ends, and I'm just exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Did we did we cover that thoroughly?
1: Yeah, it's why we something. It's why we <laughs> something we, something the internet. It's did I, it's a, it's did a thing I say that anything that
0: can be that can be taken out of context and made to sound as if it were bigoted?
1: Probably always, but, probably. But it was not intended as such, so you can quote me as saying that. But this guy was <laughs> is just a fucking douche canoe. So he's a little, maybe he ugh, wants to come talk to Jesus us. Just Christ. kidding. I don't. I can't. No hard pass.
0: I wouldn't I no, I wouldn't want to talk to him because no. the what he does is he he's not unsimilar to 45 in that he just either manipulates truth or just outright lies and makes up situations that aren't to happening stir shit. and wouldn't happen yeah. just 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 to get people fired up and excited because he knows his audience, he's he's talking to his audience, he's not talking to the fence sitters and trying to get people on his side to to change to his view. He wants to be just not unsimilar to activist mommy, Matt Walsh, all those, uh, that whole pile of idiocy that's out there. They just want people to get upset and to be angry mm-hmm. and to share, give them share so that they can, what whatever. However they choose to monetize their shit, they can make right, money right to off just of that. pump speaking up of, the
1: outrage culture really
0: yeah mm. yeah and, and speaking of i, I found this I found this funny because I, I i saw the i saw the the one post on i think it was Sunday night maybe on uh on uh Joshi's page and so I just started scrolling and got to a video that he I don't know if he posted or if he shared it, but it was, it said this woman starts singing, and then all of a sudden, a the God here, I just found it here, uh, he posted it uh, on July 15th at 10.16 p.m. Uh, she was singing in the car, and God showed up. And then, of, of course, I, mean, I stopped reading because... no god didn't (laughs) but the woman is saying we were just driving and we were singing about the blood of jesus and i don't know why why are they so obsessed with the blood
1: i don't know i really i I, I
0: don't know it's a bit concerning to me but that's the topic of another podcast but he so she and then of course she starts going into singing and i immediately said what is she doing sharing her demo tape sure enough she has a link to her itunes album that just happened to to, to be posted in the comments weird how that works savvy so I, huh yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah and
0: i mean i i i do paid shares on, on yeah. promotions and stuff like that there's nothing wrong with monetizing things like that but nope. it's just when something is so blatant and so so the stuff that i Pay to share is not complete bullshit, though. Uh, anyway, we're 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 going to go completely off the rails more than we already have here. Yeah. On so, an already but, long but spe- episode.
1: Speaking of money, though, aren't you going to just thank our patrons?
0: Michael, Trevor, and Nathan, and Alice, and Cynthia, and Michael, and Michael, and Lizzie in the lab, and Magnus, and Sub, Hannah, and Felix, and Chris, and James, and Sarah, and Josue. Uh If you want to be cool like them, and we got our first uh, not somebody's real name and. At least Lizzie in the lab. I don't think that's your legal name. Do I just say Lizzie or do I say in the lab? I don't know. I like
1: Lizzie in the lab. I want, I want her to be Lizzie in the lab. I like that.
0: I don't know which yeah. part to say. So we'll just say the All whole it, thing because please. you otherwise didn't specify. But if you want to be just like them, you can donate to us at patreon.com slash TSE podcast. And you get access to early episodes, longer episodes, commercial free episodes. Uh, plus, eventually, I'm going to give Natalie access to it because you can't have multiple users. And I don't know why I haven't given Natalie access to it yet so that she can actually post more advice because she's good about the planning and shit. And, you know, I'm not. But uh, I think we should probably also post like our upcoming guests on there too yeah. and kind of our, our wish list and maybe uh, you know ask people uh, ask our patrons who they would like to hear us talk at or who would be good to talk at us on the yeah. show. I think that us really yeah at us mm-hmm. uh, I think that'd be that'd be great uh, but people like them also by giving us gifts of money uh, help us do cool things like go to go to PopCon and do a live show, go to uh Gateway to Reason because we don't exactly get paid to go there. We just <laughs> don't have to pay uh to to walk in. At least I at least I don't think we do. Yeah. They never said we did.
1: So so we're and going so with that. We are I'm gonna
0: show up Saturday and if they don't let me in I'll say, well fuck this noise, I'm out, and I'm going to flip a couple tables. I'll have to find some papers so I can throw them up in the air as I walk out. No, just, it's then, all going to
1: be digital. There's not going to be any papers. So.
0: <laughs> right. And so I'll just throw throw a laptop. And yeah. and then as I'm stampeding out into the parking lot, I'm going to remember, <laughs> I have a hotel room at this same hotel uh, for Saturday night still, so I can't exactly leave yet. So what am I doing? And then I'll turn around and, with my tail tucked between my legs and also, I have a tail apparently, but uh, if you don't want to give us money, that's cool too. We're still friends. Just tell us about tell tell us about the show. Tell people about the show. That's how we grow. Uh, give us reviews on uh, Stitcher or iTunes or even you can do it on the Facebook page, Facebook
1: page. Mm-hmm. or
0: or anywhere else because that tells people hey you should listen to this and also tells iTunes and Stitcher and uh, who else I use Podcast Addicts, which is fantastic app it uh, tells us to put us higher in search results and even maybe make suggestions you can also follow us on blogtalkradio.com uh, email us a podcast at enthusiast.com or go to com or com or how many other .coms can I throw out here skepticalparentingcomorg yeah. .org slash edu um that's not a real thing. Don't go there. <laughs> that was, watch it be like some sort of crazy uh porn site or something. Uh and if not, now somebody will go and make it. But uh anyway, uh we should probably end this. Uh yeah. why don't you me to
1: give a quote? <laughs> why don't you hit us with a quote? Yeah. So I chose um some advice that Stephen Hawking gave to his children. He said, one, remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Two, never give up work. Work gives you meaning and purpose and life is empty without it. And three, if you are lucky enough to find love, remember it is there and don't throw it away. Nice, right? And so I got some shit from one of our friends for one of my quotes in, the other, well, in another can we, episode. Can we,
0: before we get to that, can, mm-hmm. we just, can I just take Hawking out of context and yeah. just say life is empty? Yeah. Because the work gives you meaning and purpose and life is empty without it. Life is empty. Stephen life is Hawking. empty.
1: That's it done so (laughs) so james gurney our friend um who's one of the the nerds on league of nerds he sent me a message the other night saying that he was listening to our um arc he called it the arc birthday episode and i had put archiversary get it right james gurney archiversary so he he sent me a message because i had done a thorough um quote in that episode and he sent a message saying henry thoreau is such a hipster poser i've been trying to read civil disobedience for the oh last God. year i just want to invent a time machine and go back and slap some sense into him so james why
0: is he why is he james so gurney, angry
1: james gurney, why I am, so angry james gurney i'm sorry for the hipster poser quote it was it was a moment of weakness Transcendental weakness or something why, because the Why is, he, Thoreau, why is, why is and, this
0: atheist so angry?
1: And James, thank you for listening to our show. You really don't why, have why are, to. James,
0: why are you so angry?
1: And we appreciate it. And so, so Dan, though, you did part of the last episode without me. The episode that had Callie um, and her wonderful interview, in it. and I? you were you did you did the beginning and you did the end, and you were really nice in it. You were nice about our listeners and about I, Emily and about me, and it was. I
0: don't. I don't. I know this, you. Like, it I, was a
1: like blackout, out. right? You just I you blacked out because I, it was weird for you. I'm sure to say nice things, and I have to say it was really nice listening to you saying nice things. And I just want to say at the end of this episode, because you know it was nice hearing you say things that I appreciate you and our listeners and all of the awesome people that support us in doing this thing that we've been doing support um,
0: support takes many forms too we're not just talking money although no although money no, money I'm, is money is the best form of support no
1: and i'm and i'm totally talking about the right, non-money support
0: straight llc <laughs> we are, we See, are now I'm, on google I'm, maps i, I told yeah, you that we're on, we're on that google maps yeah, and i'm trying you to be can nice google us in richmond yeah. kentucky so weird the but headquarters yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the headquarters of our
1: yeah that's that's where we hide yeah, out with, with cases of money i had to pick and a company
0: type and it says media company because I, I was like I don't, I don't i don't know which which one of these to select media company we do media of we do some media. kinds and well, we we do we do company.
1: we do voice podcast media we we have videos on youtube with like 100 followers we have a so, couple hundred
0: followers on youtube okay.
1: Yay, yeah, yes. Um yeah, so anyways, I was just trying to be nice and say thank you for being nice and thank you to all of the people who support us because I I don't know, I feel like the past the past few weeks I've I've felt a lot of support from really cool people in both of our lives and in my own life and sometimes it's just it feels really good to have that and I feel like I've said thank you to some people but you know, thank you to all of you who know who you are, who have just been you really people. fucking cool lately. And that's you, Dan. You, you are people. You are one of my favorites don't, on the planet. Don't,
0: don't tell people you're nice. I have a I, I have a reputation to uphold. It,
1: I know, but that's the thing. You <laughs> and this podcast have been kind of my my constant lately and the thing that is just that I'm happy to keep doing. And so I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And, um, yeah, next week we'll be back with another episode with Mary Mangan, who talked to us about science activism and lots of cool stuff. So, yeah, let's wrap it up.
0: I've been been trying to, but you – typical typical woman. Typical woman. Just, typical woman. I know. talking.
1: I know. Well, I'm going to be quiet now. You, hang up. You, you hang up. I always will persist. Always.
0: <laughs> Is that a <laughs> – is it a, that a threat or a promise? That's a promise. Or? That's
1: a promise, buddy. That's sure. a promise.
0: I'm not sure what's happening at this point. Should I <laughs> feel intimidated or No. No, <laughs> no you sure? no, you
1: shouldn't. It's just okay. me. Yeah. I'm seeing you next week in real life.
0: Yeah you, you're coming to stay for a few days.
1: I am. I am driving to Yeah, and I'm driving there. I'm Jesus so stoked fuck, for my so for my road trip.
0: It is so. Boring. I like,
1: but I like a road trip. I like listening to music. Yeah,
0: and... but you don't. You're not going to like I70. It is. Is it ugly? It is. It is. It's just straight. Well, the the bonus though, if you you set your car the right way, and this is yeah. this is science. This is a fact. You just set your car, set your cruise control. You can just go to mm-hmm. sleep.
1: Right. And, and right. You're and just I, driving
0: straight. The important thing is I'll to get, get the there. get the angle get the angle set right when you first start and so you can just go
1: yeah easy as that
0: huh. a, this episode's like two hours long
1: this episode's over now
0: this week's episode of the science enthusiast podcast is brought to you by one of the lesser known holy oh i don't like how i said holy <laughs> it's because i'm trying not to laugh
1: yeah right now you're in you're an anonymous minx
0: Who?
2: Oh, no, Ooh. mink,
1: mink, not minx.
2: <laughs> I, I prefer mink. I, I <laughs> you prefer, prefer minks.
1: yeah. You ought to be an anonymous minx. Ooh, that's on Craigslist somewhere.
0: This took a this
1: took a that this kind of a, turn,
0: took a turn that uh, I, I do want to continue pursuing.
1: <laughs> Me just calling you an anonymous minx. I
0: don't, I don't know that that's not good, uh, yeah. The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC,
1: all rights reserved.